Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem will be learning Daf Tetzvav in Maseches Yoma. And we are starting 13 lines down. Today, well, the next two days, we're going to be talking a lot about um, the geography, the architecture and structure of the base Havnikdash. We've already started talking about the Avoda of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur. And we're in Maseches Yoma. We're going to be learning a lot about different Avodas. So today, we're going to be learning. So we're going to see, we're going to, by the end of this Masechta, Bezat Hashem, we'll have a, a much better sense of uh, the layout of the Beis HaMikdash, where the Avodah and when the Avodah was done. And so the first topic, the one that we're in the middle of now, 13 lines down where it says, Rav Papa Amar Lo Kasha, there was a Kasha. What was the Kasha? There seemed to have been a stira. So here we're talking about the order of the Avodah. What's the stira? As follows. There, is, there was one source that said, that the haktara, okay, which is the burning of the incense, took place after the hatavas haneros. So now we're already <coughs> familiarizing ourselves, excuse me, with different uh, vodas. Now, what makes it fascinating, part of what makes it fascinating is the Kohen Gadol is doing all of the avodas, right, on that special day of Yom Kippur. The Kohen Gadol does every single avoda. Ad uh, that we're gonna see, and we've already mentioned, that he has to do the shechita and the Kabbalah Sadan. So when he does the shechting, as we will see, he shechts only rov kanav veshes. He only has the opportunity, enough time to shecht most of both the esophagus and the trachea. The blood starts spritzing. Nobody can even hand him the ball. He has to go get the ball and then somebody else finishes that shechita because he's already done the requisite shechita. And so he's already been, so to speak, yotze as far as doing the avoda. Then somebody else comes and relieves him and completes the shechita while the Kohen Gadam himself does the avoda of, uh, of catching the dam. Okay, so the hatavas aneros, right, is the cleaning out and the preparation of the menorah. And one thing that is known is that it was done in stages. There was a first stage we did, as we know, there were seven menorahs, seven, uh, candles, so to speak, to the menorah, right, seven, um, branches, okay, and it was done five, and then a break where something else was done, and then the last two, okay, that, everybody agrees, uh, was done. Question was, when was the Haktara done? It seems, according to one source uh, that we had in yesterday's Gemara, that the, that the Haktara, the burning of the incense, was done after the lighting of the menorah. The, a source later, Andaf Chafei, seems to imply that the Akhtar was done before the lighting of the menorah. So Abaye says, guess what? It's so simple. We know that there was Hatavas Aneros of the first five candles, and then we know that there was an Avoda, and then we know there's a Tavas Aneros of the next two candles. So guess what? That Avoda that's in between is the Haktara. And so the source that says that the Haktara was after the, the, uh, the Hatavas Aneros is referring to after the first five Hatavas Aneros. And the source that says that the Haktar was before the Hatavas Aneros is just, just means to say that that Haktar was before the last two Hatavas Aneros. And once you say it like that, it's very straightforward. There's no contradiction between the two sources. You have Hatavas Aneros for the first five, Haktara, and then Hatavas Aneros for the last two. This seems like the best shot in the world. This is bulletproof. Who would even argue with this? So that's where we pick up. Papa argues. Papa Amar Lokasha. What he means here is to say he's about to suggest another suggestion other than the one we just gave in the name of Abaye. 
Another uh, reconciliation of these two sources. How so? It is however, our Mishnah, which says that the Haktar Sineros was before, okay, the that the Haktara was before the Hatar Sineros, that is our Mishnah. And Ha Abba Shaul, and the later Mishnah on Chafhei, which says that first you have Hatavas Neros and only afterwards you have the Haktara, that's Abba Shaul. And we're going to give, so this is not giving Abaya's answer, we're, we're going to explain. Okay, so what does this mean? So it says the Gemara. Wait a minute. How do you understand our Mishnah here? So our Mishnah here is Kirabanan, right? So again, our Mishnah, he says, is like Rabbanan, and he says that the Haktaras and Eros is first. Well, mm-hmm. that means that, that the, again, that the Haktara is first. That means that you have Haktara, and then you have Hatavas Aneros. Well, that means that we're talking about, in our Mishnah, we're talking about the last two of the seven Neros. Okay? Which means, again, by definition, if our Mishnah is, one, is, is saying that the Haktara is first, that means that our Mishnah is talking about the last two Neros first. And then the Mishnah on Chafei, that says that the Haktar is after Hatavas Neros. So that Mishnah is talking about the first five Neros. So what the Gemara is going to be saying is, isn't this out of order? Don't we know that when we learn Masechus Yuma, we're learning about sequentially, chronologically, the day of Yom Kippur. And as part of, the, of that day, we have the Korban Tamid, we have the Haktara, we have the Hatavas Neros. Why then, if that's the case, why, Rav Papa, would, would you suggest that the Mishnah would first talk about the last two Neros, then talk about the Haktara, and then talk about the first five Neros? Isn't that, in fact, out of chronological order? That's going to be uh, what the Gemara is going to address that uh, in response to Rav Papa. So let's see. Again, the Gemara says, So how have you said that our Mishnah goes? Right, like Rabbanan. Okay, so that would be, right, that would be a situation where the Hatavas Aneros is after the Haktara, which is the last two Neros. Then Payes Be'aba Shol. And later in the Mishnah, this is what's Payes? It's the lottery. We're going to be discussing it on Chafei. And so when it says Payes here, it's referring to that Mishnah on Chafei. And that you're saying is like Abba Shol. Right, which is talking about when the first five neros are being uh, taken, are being cleaned and prepared, and then the haktar is done, is being done. So it says the Gemara, Ema Seifa. Let's look at the safe of that Mishnah. That's not exactly the safe of the same Mishnah. It's just a little bit later in Yoma. Sometimes Seifa doesn't mean the same exact Mishnah, but a little bit later. So this happens to be six plot later on Lamed Aleph. It says over there, Hey, view Lois Atamid. Okay, so let's see what it says there in Lamad Aleph. It says, first of all, they brought the Korban Tamid to the Kohen Gadol, which means they brought him the animal. He's about to shecht it. Then Kratzo, Kratzo is what we were referring to before. That's when the Kohen Gadol shechts the animal. Now, the reason the Lashon Kratzo is used over there is, as Rashi explains, is because he's Chatachbo Hechsher Shechita, Berov, Shnaim. Rov Shnaim is Rov Kanavaveshes, meaning this is the unusual Shechita that the Kohen Gadol, that with the aforementioned Shechita we just said, where he can only do, uh, most of it, but not all of it because he doesn't have time. So Kratzo is the Lashon used for that kind of Shechita, uh, unusual Shechita. So basically they bring in the animal, he, he mostly Shechts it, and then Umeirek Acher, 
Shechita al yado. That means that another Kohen has to go and complete that Shechita for him. And then, after that Shechita, Nichnas lahaktir es haketoras. Then he goes in, the Kohen Gadol goes in to, to right, to burn the incense. Ulehetiv es haneros. And to prepare the neros. So wait a minute. That has to be like the Rabbanon, right? In other words, there he's certainly doing the Haktir HaKetoros and then being Metiv the Neros, right? There the Ketoros is being done before the Neros. So that means that that Hemshech, right? In other words, if you look at Chafhei, then you could say maybe there it sounds like it could be Abishol, right? Because if you look at Chafhei, it says that first you do the Neros and then the Ketoros. And you say, okay, so that's, that's according to Avashol. But if you just keep going a little bit more in the Mishnais, a little bit later, you see that you do the Ketoris, and then you do the Neros. And that has to be like the Rabbanon. So if, so if that's the case, so then it sounds like, says the Gemara, As'an Rabbanon, Reisha V'seifa Rabbanon, Umitziyasa Abashol. Now that, now our Mishnah follows the Rabbanon. This last uh, portion of the Mishnah that we're quoting in Lamed Aleph follows the view of the Rabbanon. So if the Pshat is, as you say, Rav Papa, that, the, uh, that in Chafhei we're talking about the position of Avashol, it's going to turn out that part of the Mishnah is according to the Rabbanon, and then the middle part is according to Avashol, and the last part is like the Rabbanon. Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you confuse everybody by having Mishnayas like go back and forth like the stripes on a zebra reflecting, alternating, reflecting the positions of Rabbanon and Abishol. That, that, that's unwieldy and confusing. So the Gemara responds, Amr Lach Rav Papa, Rav Papa would have said, apparently this was not a recorded conversation, but Rav Papa could say, in Reish of a Sefer Rabbanon, amazingly, for Rav Papa, this is uh, not problematic that it could be that the Mishnah was written in such a way where the bookends were the Sheet of Urbanan and the middle was the Sheet of Abashol. To this, the Gemara has to ask, wait a minute. Rav Papa must have a compelling reason not to go with Abaye. Abaye makes so much sense. Why is Abaye, why is Rav Papa um, going with this unusual construction of authorship of the Mishnah, right, when he just has the shot of Abaye that makes so much sense? Says the Gemara in the middle of Tesvavim Aleph. We can understand why Abayah rejected Rav Papa, right? Because Reishav is safe for Rabbanon. He doesn't like this construction. Why would you want to have the Reishav is safer to be like the Rabbanon in the middle, like Abishol, as we've said? And Rashi even strengthens it by saying, aside from the fact that, that the chronology um, is out of order. Now we're getting to the point. Why would Rav Papa reject Abaye? Abaye made so much sense. He says, one is before, so, so this is where the chronology comes in. Rav Papa, why would he say not like Abaye, that one's referring to before the Tavas and Eros, uh, the Ektara, one's referring to the after? It, it was so clean. Why do we go um, and say that the Mishnah has multiple authorship? So the Gemara says, Amalach, Tana Beresha Tavas Shtei Neros, Behadar HaTavas Chameish Neros. That's where the chronology is pointed out. Meaning, the begin, the, in other words, if you take the Mishnayos in chronological order, if you assume that they're going in the order of the Avoda, that would mean that Daf Yud Dalad, which we learned yesterday, would have to be earlier in the day. And then Daf Chav Hei, which we'll learn soon, Bezat Hashem, will be later in the day. And yet, if you go with Abayah's Pshat, it turns out 
the last two neiros are being discussed on Yudalid, and then the first five neiros are being discussed on Chavhei. So this is what we mentioned before, is the Achilles heel of the Pshad of Abaye is that it, it seems like it's out of chronological order in the way that it's presented in our Gemara. So that is the uh, issue that Rav Papa has with Abaye that was so severe that he had to come up with a Pshat where the Mishnah has multiple authorship, not only multiple authorship, but starting with Rabbanan in the middle, right, Abashal, and then ending with Rabbanan again. So what would Abaye respond to this issue of the chronology? So says the Gemara, the Abaye Amarlach, Aha. Abaye is making a statement about this first parak that we're currently in the middle of, Shivas Yamim. He says, that parak, that first parak, is just getting you excited. It's teaching you. Uruyah be'alma. Uruyah be'alma means it's just general, general overview. This is like the Hakdama to Yoma, is the first parak. So that first parak, meaning that which we learned yesterday in Yadalid, it's just to get us excited about the general topics. It's a general overview. It's to get us um, really pumped up for what we're going to learn sub- subsequently. And then, Visidra Hahadar Tanilay. After you get after the first introductory parak, then you get it down to nitty gritty and you start talking about the Seder Hayom in chronological order. So this is uh, an interesting idea that we're learning here. That this whole first parak is just to get us juiced, familiar with the concepts, and um, and then subsequently, when once we get down to the nitty gritty of the second parak and beyond, we're going to be actually going in chronological order. And therefore, it is not problematic that the initial um, mentioning of Atavas and Eros relative to the Qataris is out of chronological order because that first mention when it talks about the Qataris being before the Atavas and Eros is simply in that first parak. And therefore, it does not have to be in the chronological order of the Avoida in order to, in order to correlate properly because that first parak is exempt from having to be chronologically um, organized because of the fact that it's really just an introduction. Good. So now we're 11, up, 11 lines up from the wide, okay? And we're going to discuss the Avoda uh, of the spritzing. This is very interesting over here. The Zrikas Dam HaTamid. So as we know, every single day, there's a Korban Tamid. And the Korban Tamid had spritzing. Um, could I, could I to have a little bit of introduction here? This is what, this is, this is what these, uh, Prakim are about after all, right? We just said that the first parak of Yuma is to introduce some things. So could I to have some introduction? The Korban HaTamid is actually something, um, uh, <laughs> in, in the Rosh Chodesh laning, we say you've heard this pasuk recited at least once per month, and as a matter of fact, Birnbaum lanes it all the time. And it, and we were talking about, did you ever think of what this pasuk means? So at the very end of the Rosh Chodesh laning, the very last pasuk, it says, "Usiri zim echad lachatas laHashem alolasot amid yaseven isko." Barry, how do they how do the yekes uh, lane this? Um, they have a. Um, what, the, what? Yeah, no, I'm saying so. So yeah, we we finish it. Yasev and Isko. Anyway, so this is important. Al olas hatamid yasev and Isko. So first of all, this is this is the carbon tamid. First of all, just to understand, this is not just Yom Kippur. We're talking about the carbon tamid every single day. That's number one. Happens to be the Kohen Gadol does all the avodos on Yom Kippur, so he's doing it. 
right, on Yom Kippur also. So now we're going to learn something about the Korban Tamid. So it's Kedai because we're going to be bringing it soon, God willing, every day. Okay. Now, the interesting thing about on Rosh Chodesh, you bring a Chatas also, right? Al Olas HaTamid. Now, Olas HaTamid is an interesting phrase. Olas HaTamid is a phrase that teaches you that the Korban Tamid is in fact a Korban Ola. Okay. Now, we already talked about some of the differences between an Ola and a Chatas. Okay. Like the Ola goes, right? The, the Ola goes, is completely consumed. What today we're going to talk about is the difference in the sprinkling between an Ola and a Chatas. They are in fact different. And they are different in the following way. When you have a Korban Ola, you take the blood and you spritz it on the corner of the Mizbeach, such that you have to do two corners of the Mizbeach and they have to be diagonally opposite each other because in those two sprinklings, you only sprinkle twice, and in those two sprinklings, when you are sprinkling on an Ola, you are covering all four walls, right? Because each one is being done at a corner, right? We'll see which corners they are, but let's, for argument's sake, take the ones that actually you end up doing, which is the northeast corner. You sprinkle it on the northeast corner so that it spritzes both on the north and on the east. So now you've covered the north and the east. Then you go back to the south, you go around the ramp, and you go to the southwest corner. And when you go to the southwest corner, now you sprinkle it on that. That's called achas shehishtayim. Right now we're really getting into the Yom Kippur Musaf mode. Achas Shishtai means two sprinklings on each one, right? Would be when you sprinkle it on one corner and therefore cover both walls, then you go to the opposite diagonal corner, you sprinkle it again on one corner covering both walls, altogether totaling Shtaim Shem Arba, right? Which is to say two sprinklings that cover four walls. That's what that means. That is an Ola. When you bring a Korban Chatas in contrast, okay, you do, what you do is you, you sprinkle a, uh, Shtaim Shem Shtaim. So, and then Shtaim Shel Shtaim. So you could go to the same corners, the northeast corner. You'll sprinkle it, but you'll deliberately sprinkle it on the, uh, north and on the east wall separately. And then you'll go and you'll do it on the south and on the west wall separately. Do the same thing over again, just separately. Ah, the Gemara is going to bring this up. The Gemara is going to bring that up because what's happening here in the Pasuk is, is again, you look at this last Pasuk that you say in Rosh Chodesh. You bring a Chatas Lashem, Al Olas Hatamid. So, what does Al Olas Hatamid mean? That you, that what? That you sprinkle the, the blood of the Chatas? Andrew's asking, what are you doing? Are you going to sprinkle the blood of the Chatas on top of the blood of the Ola? So, we're going to see. It's a, it, this is a hybrid carbon that we're going to bring. And that's going to be the question. It's a chatas al olas hatamid. So it's a chatas in a way, it's an ola in a way, and how does that manifest in the spritzing? Because again, if it was only an ola, you'd only do two sprinklings, that would equal a four. If it was only a chatas, you would do four sprinklings that equal four. They would be on the same parts of the wall, but you'd be doing two and two, right? Shtaim shel shtaim and shtaim shel shtaim, which equals arba shehem arba. Right, as opposed to the Ola, which would be Shtaim Shem Arba. And it, yes, would be in the same parts, as Andrew points out, of the wall where the blood ends up. 
but not exactly the same part because there's one more nature I didn't tell you yet that the Gemara is going to say, which is that in the Korban Ola, it has to go on the base of the Mizbeach, okay? And in the Korban Chatas, it goes on, there was a Chut HaSikra that uh, demarcated the Mizbeach and cut it basically in half as you go, right, from the floor up to the, to the Gag of the Mizbeach. And so in the half, like a wedding cake, right, Lahavdil. And so the Chatas would be sprinkled towards the top of the wedding cake and the, um, the Ola would be sprinkled at the base. With all that background, we can now understand the Gemara very well, as follows. Gufa. Okay, so now we're going back to the Brisa, right, that we had um, started in, in on Yudalim and Bayes, that started to describe the Avoda of the Kohen Gadol. And it says like this, in order, Balo Lakarin Mizrachis Tzfonis. Okay, so the, when, the, when the Kohen got to the northeast corner, he arrives, and Noisen Mizrachis Tzfonis, and standing right at the Mizbeach, He's Zorik the Dam, right? He throws it from, right, onto the northeast corner. Fine. Then, Marev Dromis, Nosen Marev Dromis. Then he proceeds, right? He's going to go around the ramp and he's going to arrive at the southwest corner. Okay. And now, Vitani Allah. And concerning that, the Brisa said as follows Rabbi Shimon Ish Hamitzbeh, as we, as we quoted, this, this, Fascinating, right, name of an individual, Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah, Mishane Betamid, right, he changes with regards to, to the Korban Atamid, right, and as follows. Now, this is every Korban Tamid, he says, and this is where it gets really interesting, because as we said, the Korban Tamid is different than every other Korban Ola, because the Korban Tamid has the Pasuk that says, Isiri Zimechadachatas Lashem Al Olas Hatamid. It has aspects of chatas and aspects of ola. And that's why Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzpeh took the actual sprinkling and treated it like a hybrid situation of an ola and a chatas as follows. He says the following, that Shimon Isha Mitzpeh, he changed the sprinkling for the Korban Talmud as follows. He says, Balo lokeren mizrachas tzfonis, nosen mizrachas tzfonis. So, so far, so good, right? He's treating it like an ola, right? And so the Tanakhama says that he puts achas shem shtayim, meaning you get to the northeast corner and you put, when it says noisin mizrachas tzfonis, it just means you put it on the very corner and it, let's say, right, trickles down on both the, the north and the east wall and you do one spritzing that accomplishes getting both walls at the same time. However, says Rabbi Shimon, right, isha mitzpeh, when you get to marvis dromis, Noisen Marava Achakach Noisen Daroma. When he gets to the southwest corner, he first sprinkles on the on the. This is also important. He first sprinkles on the west wall, and then he sprinkles on the south wall. We're going to analyze a lot of these aspects, but first of all, we should notice that this is Stein Shem Stein. This is like a chatas where he's doing two sprinklings for 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 the two walls as he gets there. What what re- emerges is a fascinating hybrid approach to sprinkling that you don't see in any other korban of Shimon Isha Mitzbeh, where it's right, where it's like an ola when at the northeast corner and then treated like a chatas at the southwest corner. And it's also significant that it's first the west and then the south. That is an indication of the direction that this coin is going. So let's see. Says the Gemara, my time at Shimon Isha Mitzbeh. Why would Shimon Isha Mitzbeh have it uh, be like an ola for the northeast corner and like a 
Chatas for the southwest corner. So Amar Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Chad Devei Rabbi Anai. Birnbaum was impressed at how flimsy the source was. Rabbi Yochanan heard it from a guy in Rabbi Anai's Yeshiva. Amar Kra. Usir izim echad lachatas. This is the pasuk that we were quoting. Lahashem al olas hatamid yaseven isko. We've heard it so many times. Did we ever think of what it means? This is talking about the carbon tamid, and it says that the chatas should be al olas hatamid. That this, in some ways, the fact that it's a chatas is superimposed, so to speak, on on top of or high or or uh, made into a hybrid with the carbon ola. Says the Gemara. Olahi. Now, the carbon Talmud, everybody knows, is a, a carbon Ola. That nobody would disagree, because that, Pasuk says, it's Olas Hatamid. So everybody knows that the carbon Talmud is treated like a carbon Ola. That's what it literally says. However, but when the, when the um, Pasuk says, it means that you should do some Chatas aspect to this carbon Ola. How does this flavoring of chatas, so to speak, manifest itself in this korban ola satamid? In the following way. When you're in the northeast corner, you should do like one sprinkling on both walls. And then, and then later, um, you should do shmir uh, it deliberately on each of the walls like you would for a chatas. And that is the source, right? Of Rabbi Shimon this is the way of of combining the chatas elements into the korban of the tamid. So to that, the Gemara says, "Well, why was that the only way that he could figure out to do it?" And we're going to talk about the different combinations. Why is he starting with achas shishtaim and finishing with time shishtaim? Why is he doing it in this order? Why is he doing it after these corners? We're going to get into it as follows. And why he asks Andrew's question: Why not just do both, superimpose one on the other? Who would say not? So that's so. That's the next question. That, the first question is, of course, Andrew's question. Gemara asks, Okay, so treat it like a regular korban ola, right? Do, do, do the two corners, and it'll be shtaim shel arba. Cover all four walls with two corners. Kamaisa ola. And then, ve'arba shen arba, kamaisa chatas. And then, go back and spritz the blood again like it's a chatas. So, that, wouldn't that be the perfect manifestation of a chatas Hashem al ola satamid? It almost sounds like exactly what the Pasuk is trying to tell you. This is, I think, what inspired Andrew to say this. Do the, do it like an ola, and then al ola satamid, literally just spritz it on top of it. That's the perfect expression of that Pasuk. To which the Gemara says, yes, perhaps it would be, but we can't do that. Why? Because lo matzinu damim shemechaprin bechozrin mechaprin. In all of Hilchas Korbanos, we never see a double spritzing on top of, uh, 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 one on top of the other. In other words, you never shecht an animal and then spritz it on the mizbeach and then go back and re-spritz. We never do double coating. It's not like a paint job, Andrew. You can't just do a coat of blood and then another coat of blood. Okay? That never happens. So, so that's not an option. Okay? So the Gemara says, Allah. says, okay, so you're telling me that you never do that. But do you ever you do a hybrid where half of it is Ola and half of it is Chatas? That you also never do. So once you're already making an exception, you're making this a singularly unique type of carbon. So why don't you just do Andrew's suggestion and superimpose? Why are you, um, uh, why are you choosing, right, preferring to do the hybrid approach as opposed to the superimposition approach, what I call? Okay, so says the Gemara. No, Ella al Rather, we have to say 
that the Pasuk is forcing you to say, right? Because it says, Korban, right, Achatas Alolas Atamid. So the, the, the Pasuk is forcing you to say that there's some sort of amalgamation of the Chatas and the, and the Ola. So, Hachanami Balkor Chanikishanakosov. So say, okay, so since you have a force in the Pasuk that's actually forcing you to put together this Chatas and the Ola, so then, the pasuk is making an exception. This is an ex, uh, this is just an extension extension of this uh, of the question. It's just strengthening the question, saying you have a gzeiras akasiv basically that tells you that this is going to be a unique korban. So let it be unique in the application of the blood in a superimposed way, not just, as opposed to a hybrid way. What has made you choose one over the other? Says the Gemara, hasam pisuk matanos bealmahi. This is um, this is the Gemara's way of saying that no that when you talk about um, putting one on top of the other, that is such a deviation from the way we do things that we would never do that. In other words, we use some degree of svara, I guess you could say, that we never would superimpose blood on top of blood. We never do a double coating of this spritzing. That would never, we would never do it. This, this, uh, but this splitting it up and saying that this half of uh, first half is going to be an ola, and second half is going to be a chatas. It's a smaller deviation from the, the, the um, from the standard ola service. What Birnbaum calls it's still within a standard deviation, <laughs> which is, um, in other words, it's it's not as big of a difference. It's not. It doesn't really take you that far off field from the usual way that we do avoda, and therefore it's not fundamentally uh, that that bad. It's just a little bit of a splitting of the last uh, hazah. And so we know we have a directive from the Torah to somehow combine the chatas and the ola. So this way, right, um, of, of, of Rav Shmuel um, is, is uh, Rav Shimon rather, uh, this way of Rav Shimon Isha Mitzpah is actually like the least um, uh, deviant way. In other words, it's, a le- it's, the, it's the least uh, Violating what we always know, right, about how these kabbanas are done, and therefore that's why he's suggesting it to do it in this way. In other words, the hybrid is not so bad, but to superimpose what the blood of the chatas uh, on top of the blood of the ola would be so far off field of what we usually do with kabbanas that we would never even consider that. This even so, when we take this kasev, we take that uniqueness into a hybrid where the first part is Ola and the second part of Chatas as opposed to a superimposition. That's what the Gemara is saying here. Now the Gemara asks, okay, Rav Shimon Isha Mitzpev, Shtaim Lamata, Kamaisa Ola, and Shtaim Shem Shtaim Lamala, Kamaisa Chatas. This is, okay. All right, Rav Shimon Isha Mitzpev, we'll start with the Ola and we'll do the southwest corner like it's a Chatas. We'll accept that. But if we're going to do that, then let's do that all the way. Let's do the Ola part on the base of, right? Let's spritz that dam right on that base of the Mizbech as we do for all the Olas. And then when we do the two sprinklings on the southwest corner, right? Let's spritz those on above the Chutasikra Kemai Sechatas as we do for all Korbanos Chatas. So as we said before, a Korban Chatas gets it above the Chutasikra. A Korban Ola gets it on the base. So if we're really doing a true hybrid where the first part is an Ola and the second part is a Chatas, then why do we sprinkle all of them on the base as we do? Right? This is, uh, we happen to know that the procedure for the Korban Tamid is that the first Achas Shi Shtaim is on the base 
on the northeast corner, and then later the Steinstein is also on the base, on the southwest corner. So if they're both on the base, why isn't the second one that's on the southwest corner, why isn't it being applied on the, on, on the, above the Chuta Sikra, the way a normal Korban Chatas would be? So to that, the Gemara answers, Lo matzinu domim lamata. Well, just like before we said, you never find double coating of blood, the other thing you never find is blood on top and blood on bottom. In other words, every Korban must have Right? Anytime you have a, you do a korban, then the zrika sadam for that korban is always going to be consistently either below the chutasikra or above the chutasikra. There's no such thing as having a korban where it's part of it is on, of the sprinkling is on top and part of the sprinkling is below the chutasikra. So we're learning so much. Did you know that? I did not know that. That's, that's amazing. Okay. All right. So now the Gemara said, so, so, and again, this is, uh, the fact that we do it all below is a reflection of the fact that really the Tamid is the Korbanola, right? It's Ola Satamid. But it has some elements of Chatas in that we split it, the second sprinkling into two. But as far as everything else, it's a Korbanola and therefore it's going to be on the base. Fine. And the Gemara asks, below, you never find any sprinkling and one's above and one's below the Chutas Sikr Vahatznan. We learned the Mishnah in Gimel. Achas Lamata. Right? That the Kohen God will sprinkle some blood one time Above and seven times below. That certainly seems like sometimes it's above and sometimes it's below, right? This is one of, of the Yom Kippur, right? Towards the Kaporis, right? Where it says, the Pasuk says, Right? And in that, it says that some of it landed above and some of it landed below the Chutas Sikra. So there we do have an example. So if once we have precedent, why don't we make the second half of this Korban Tamid be above the Chutas Sikra as most normal Korban Chatas would be? Says the Gemara, no. In that particular case, in that Mishnah, Kimatzlif. The blood was sprinkled like a Matzlif. Ask the Gemara, what exactly is a Matzlif? My Kimatzlif? Machve Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda demonstrated in the base Medrash, Kiminagdana. It's like he, it's like a whipping motion. So I said to Birnbaum, Jackson Pollock Lahavdil. He's just taking a brush from like, you know, ten ten feet away and just spritzing it on the canvas. So some of it comes above and some of it comes below. And you call it art, right? Because um I, you know, does he know exactly where it's going? Let's see this Rashi, this very uh, first wide line in Rashi. Dam Ola Nisan Lamata Mechuta Sikra Vidamachatas Lamala Dam Ola. Right, the, the dam of the Ola is going below. Vidam chatas lamala, vakeman, the hach. Right, masna besraisam of sekas, mishum, maisa chatas, avida, um, tehave lamala kachas. Did I go, uh, venesev achas? No. Kematzlif, I, um, over here, he says, where, where he said mats? Oh, no, no. So let, let's look at the fourth wide line. Kimignagda. Right, this is the fourth wide line in Rashi, down there, the third line from the bottom. Basically, he's saying that right, a whipping motion, right, whipping it down. Amazingly, Rashi, Birman points out, Rashi here seems like unplugged on Masechus Yuma. He has a lot of and I heard from this guy, and this I don't know, and he, it seems like Rashi, this is like Rashi catching the Rav at Shal Shudas, you know what I mean? Like, very intimate, 
and uh, and more conversation. I, I don't know if it's true, but Birnbaum is is, is feeling feeling Rashi more intimate here in Masechus Yuma. Be that as it may, Rashi doesn't know what the word matzlif means, but he's pointing out what we said, which is it's a whipping motion, and therefore that's why it's spritzing up and uh, and bottom. So just to get back to um, to realign our, our thinking here, what, what's being discussed here now is that there is a scenario where it does spritz to the top and bottom, but it's not deliberately placing on top and below the chuta sikra. It's just that's one spritz, and some happens to land above and below. That's different. That doesn't mean that we're deliberately placing above and below, and therefore we still don't have a precedent for that. Which is why we have to keep the Korban Talmud consistently uh, below, because that we're placing it more deliberately, and therefore they both have to be below Chutasikra, Sikra, namely on the base of the Mizbeah. Okay. So then the Gemara says, below, there still we, we don't have another, so maybe that's not an example. We have another example. That's Nan, and we learned in the Mishnah, we're going to learn soon, Anun Ches. The Kongodo would write, <coughs> would spritz onto the Mizbech Hazov seven times. My, why does it say he's Amen al Taharo? What's al Taharo? So the first uh, assumption is a Taharo means lava palgid Mizbech. That the Taharo means the midpoint of the Mizbech. Kid the Amre Inchi. Why does Taharo mean midpoint? Because the word Taharo has meant midpoint in the past. Where is that? Because they say Tahar Tihira. This is what they used to say in Yom Kippur, that the purity of the day has arrived. What's the purity of the day? Tartira means we've become, right, purified in the sense because Tahara means the brightest part of the day. Namely, there is some sort of reference to Tahara being high. And with regards to the point of the day, it's when the sun is what we call high noon. High noon, right, it uses the word Tahara as the Gemara says, who palga the Yoma? That Tara is referring to high noon. So once Tara is referring to high noon, it means that, it, that it's referring to the midpoint of the Mizbeach. And once it's referred to the midpoint of the Mizbeach, it means that that is where you're shooting for when you're doing the Hazos. You're trying to hit the exact midpoint of the Mizbeach, right? So that's what Rashi says. That's the very last Rashi on Tesvav Amdalaf. It says, Tihara, Tsaharaim Palga de Yoma, right? That, it's, that, that high noon is the midpoint of the day. And therefore, Tahara must be meaning the midpoint of the Mizbeach. It says, Rashi says that he's explaining that when we're saying that you're aiming for the exact midpoint, not everybody's great at darts, so to speak. You can't exactly, you're not going to hit the midpoint every single time. And therefore, some of them are going to go above, some of them are going to go below. So this is another example of where some of them are above and some are below the Chut HaSikra. So therefore, why, and, and again, the extension would be that therefore the, the Korban Chattas that we have, we should do above the Chattas To which the Gemara replies, Amar Rabba Bar Lo. No, and it's easy to understand what the issue here is going to be. He says, Agufei de Mizbeach, that the, the blood there is, uh, so he's giving a different shot of what Tihira means. But we can see why he would give that, because again, the issue is, there it's being done, right? It's not being done deliberately, it's being done accidentally, meaning you're shooting for the middle, but you're hitting the top and the bottom. So tihara could mean that, but tihara really means something else. Tihara means agufei de mizbech, as Rashi says, al gago. Rashi explains it. Rashi explains it. 
an incredible passage. That's what the Gemara quotes now. If that pasuk doesn't sound familiar, it possibly should because it's in Sefer Shmos. It's the, as Artskov describes, the sublime prophecy that the Zikanim saw when Moshe went to receive the Torah. There was some sort of clearing up above, something that they saw, very hard to understand exactly what they saw, obviously, but be that as it may, when it explained it, it says, The word tohar there means something like elevated, which is kind of like what we alluded to before. The tohar means, just like tohar meant high noon, like, like high noon, which meant midday. Here, Tohar also means high, but not noon, but like the clearing up on top. So this is, this is what gives, right? This is what gives Rabba Barshila the indication that Tohar does not mean the midpoint of the Mizbeach, but rather the Gag, as Rashi points out, of the Mizbeach. Okay, so once it's on the Gag of the Mizbeach, so then of course, it's not partially above or partially below the Chut at all. Rashi's explaining that it's called the Tar. That's the area that they cleared. He explains why the Gag of the Mizbeach would also be called the Tar, but we already saw that. Even when, it, even when Tar, even when we thought it meant the middle of the Mizbeach, it meant high noon. It always has a reference to something high, and therefore it, it stands to reason it would be the top of the Mizbeach. So now, two lines down on Tesvav and Bez, the Gemara asks another question. It says, The Gemara asks, why are we starting with the Ola, with the one that spritzing that's two, and then moving on to the Chatas that's two, that's two? Maybe we should do it the other way around. Let's do the Chatas first. So the Gemara says, came into Olahi. Well, we know that the Tamid, right, is an Ola's Tamid. It's an, essentially a, a Korban Ola with a twist of Chatas. So that's why he kept Maberesha. That's why you start it as a Korban Ola, and then you, and then you proceed as a Chatas. To that, the Gemara asks, Why are you doing the northeast corner and then the southwest corner? First do, right, the southeast. You know, there's why Dafka those two corners. Why not the southeast and the northwest? So Amri, the Gemara says, Oila Tauna Yesoid. As we said, a Korban Ola, the blood spritzing is on the Yesod, the base. The Karendromis Mizrachis, Lohavale Yesod. Only three of the four corners of the Mizbeach had a base, as discussed on Erev Shabbos. When we learned it on Yud Beis, that portion, the north, the southeast corner of the Mizbech was in the portion of, Ye- of Shevet Yehuda, and therefore it did not have a base. And so the fact that that was in the portion of Shevet Yehuda uh, actually informed the construction of the Mizbech. And you need to have a sword for the Korban Ola, and therefore since you need to have two corners diagonal from each other to cover four walls, the southeast corner is out. Once that's out, there is no option other than to do the northeast and the southwest. Amazing. Okay. So the Gemara. Okay. So Maishna the Yav Bereisha Mizrachas Tzonus V'Hadam Aravis Dromas Nesav Bereisha Aravis Dromas V'Hadam Mizrachas Tzonus. So now that we've established why we're doing the corners, and now that we've established why we do right the Ola first and the Chata second, now we want to know why we're doing northeast first and then southwest. Says the Gemara. Came with Amar Kolpino Shatapone Lo Yul Al Derechim In Mizrach. Because if you see, if you follow as we will the order of the Avod of the Kohen. And you follow, you, you do like the Machon HaMikdash virtual tour, then as he's walking towards the Mizbeach, he would have to make a right turn to hit the northeast corner. And we know that you should always go to the right. Whenever in doubt, go to the right. That, that was the idea of Mar, right? That anywhere you go, you should always go to the right. So therefore, Beresha Bahu Paga. 
that if the coin makes a right turn, if he hangs a right, the first, very first corner that he hits is that northeast corner, and that's the reason why we do that one first. Okay, and then the Gemara asks, finally, one last question. With this, we'll close, and then we'll have all new stuff tomorrow. By the way, tomorrow and the next day is all, is all the uh, blueprint of the base of Mikdash, where the Lishkos are, where the different things are. Fascinating. Uh, short dapim, but fascinating dapim, uh, dapim in terms of it's almost going to feel like Corbin, like a Maseches Tamid and Midos. Anyway, but just finishing up this fascinating topic. So it says, So now it's going back and questioning the fundamental issue, which is, it says, So he says, why are we saying that it's an Ola, that the Korban Tamid is an Ola with a twist of Chatas? Maybe it's a Korban Chatas with a twist of Ola. So I would have said, look at the Pasuk. And in fact, the Gemara answers that. It says, Lo salakadaitach, that shouldn't answer your mind. al Olas HaTamid Yasevinisko. It literally defines the Korban as an Ola by saying that the Korban Tamid is an Olas HaTamid. Oh. So, Maid Kamar Rahmana, what does the Torah mean that when it says, Olas HaTamid, it means that the Korban Tamid is in fact the Korban Ola. Well, what does the Pasuk therefore mean when it says, Echad L'Chatas Hashem Al Olas HaTamid? Simply that, that Midi L'Chatas Shdeya Ola. Take the application of Chatas and, and put it on top of the Ola, which is the Korban HaTamid is not a Korban Chatas with a twist of Ola, even though it is a hybrid. It is in fact, the Korban HaTamid is the Korban Ola with a twist of a Korban Chatas. And now we know, now you know why this is manifest in the sprinkling of the Dam. Now you know why it's first Korban Ola. And that explains why it's first Korban Ola and then Korban Tamid, just to, re- uh, uh, just to review. Why it's first Korban Ola and then Korban Chatas. You also know why it's all only on the base, right? Because it's in fact the Korban Ola in essence. You know, therefore, based on the fact that it's on the base, why it can only be on the northeast corner and the southwest corner. And you also know, based on the principle of move to the right first, why you start with the northeast corner and then finish with the southwest corner. And then you also know why we chose to do a hybrid instead of the superimposition notion of Andrew because of the fact that it's less of a deviation from the norm to first do achas sheishtayim in the northeast corner like you would do, and on the base like you would do with any ola, and then shtayim sheishtayim, albeit on the base, like Ola, which time she's time, which has the element of a carbon chatas on the southwest corner. And it is in this base amikdash where we continue tomorrow. May we get to know the blueprints and then actually see it. So we are now, so we finished with 12 lines up from the bottom, Tesvav and Bays. And like I said, the next two days are uh, relatively short, so we'll be able to do all that uh, construction base amikdash.